Welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. If you would, please open up your Bible to Matthew chapter 24. And like Carla said just a few minutes ago, we have been talking to some friends and business acquaintances in our own valley. And a similar question keeps coming up because, see, they know we're pastors. They know that we're praying and seeking the Lord and have been so for 33 years. And so they're asking, you know, is this here's the big question. Is this virus and all that's going on now with all the economy stuff? Is this the beginning of the end? And so I wanted to answer that question. It kind of has an ask the pastor question and answer right now. Is this the beginning of the end? So I want you to look here in Matthew 24. I think these scriptures will answer it for you where I won't have to do a whole lot of preaching on it. But in Matthew chapter 24, we're going to read verse 7 and 8. Matthew 24, 7 and 8. And it should be on the screen where you're tuning in. And for the couple of us that are here in the auditorium, you'll be able to look up on the screen as well. Matthew chapter 24, verse 7 and verse 8. The Bible, this is Jesus answering the question of his disciples. The disciples said, Jesus, tell us. When shall these things be? What shall be the sign of your coming and of the end of the world? And in verse 7, Jesus is answering this question. And he says, For nation shall rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in different places. Do you see that? Now what's the next verse? Verse 8. Jesus said, All these are the beginning of sorrows. Now listen very closely. He's talking about what's going to happen in the world. Newsflash, if you're a believer, you're in Christ. All right? That's stronger than in the world. The Bible says we're in the world, but we're not of the world. In other words, yes, we're physically on the earth, but we're also in Christ Jesus. So when the Lord starts talking about some of these end time happenings, he's not talking about things that are going to overcome and destroy his people. He has always provided supernatural protection for his people. He's always got people out before great destruction came. And I believe with all my heart, we have nothing to be afraid of if we're believers. Now, if you're not a believer, here's the, here's the solution. Be one. Because <laughs> the only other option is get under the bed and hide. And you don't want to do that because your bed's not going to be able to handle what's happening in these last days. There is a place. There is a safe place in the midst of this dark world. The whole world lies in wickedness, Jesus said. And Jesus said, in the world, you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In other words, come inside of me, Jesus said. Become a believer and you will be above a lot of this stuff that's happening in the earth, including end time happenings that are not so good. So Jesus said here that famines, earthquakes, pestilence, and wars and rumors of wars and, and nation rising against nation would be a sign that the beginning is upon us. And Jesus called it the beginning 
of sorrows. So we, we understand disease is out there, right? Pestilence, it's here, it's there. But just like in Goshen, in Egypt, before Moses delivered the people of God out of Egypt, the death and destruction and the plagues came, but they had to pass over the houses that had the blood on them. So that's one of the reasons we're going to receive communion, because that's how we today apply the blood of Jesus to our families and to our lives. We take communion. We say what we believe about the blood of Jesus, and that becomes applied to your household. And a lot of this junk, all of it actually, that's going on around us, when it sees the blood, when it sees people in that house are not embarrassed of the blood of Jesus, they're speaking about, they're taking communion, that stuff has to pass over. That's where we get Passover from. And so God's always provided protection for his people. We know that there's disease and there's plagues. And I'm not sure that there's not some other stuff around the corner. And if the people of God will pray like they're supposed to, we'll mess up those plans of the devil and it won't be able to happen. But church, I'm going to say in just a few minutes some things of why I believe the hedge was broken and why some of these things can happen. But if the church makes a few tweaks, we can stop future things from happening. Preach this gospel to all the world. Rapture will take place. We'll be out of here. And all the people that we could get saved, we did our best to get them saved. But I'll talk some more about that in just a minute. So disease, we know, is the beginning of sorrows. Rampant disease. Worldwide disease. Whew. Famine, which means shortage of food. Whoever thought that there wouldn't be certain things on the shelves in America in supermarkets? Whoever thought you'd go and all the meat is gone? Whoever thought? Well, the Lord knew it. And then it says, it talks about in Luke, wars and rumors of wars, nations, distress of nations, um, earthquakes. Did you know in the last five days, there has been about 83 earthquakes in the world? I mean, just to name a few, um, uh, Croatia had one just in the last five days. Tibet, China, uh, Fortuna, California, Magna, Utah, like four of them, Bali, Indonesia, three more in, Magna, in, uh, in Utah, Samoa, Indian Hills, Nevada, like 83 in the last five days. So according to Jesus, yeah, this is the beginning of sorrows. But aren't you glad? Jesus bore our griefs and carried our sorrows. Aren't you glad that in Christ there's protection from these things in the last days? And um, Jesus actually said on the earth in the last days there'd be perplexity. People wouldn't have answers. They wouldn't know what to do. In the book of Luke, he talked about the end times, about perplexity among men and the waves and the sea roaring. That's talking about masses of people. And it says also in the book of Luke, and remember this is in the world, doesn't have to be in the church, in the world it says in the last days men's hearts would be failing them for fear because of those things that are coming upon the earth. Jesus said there's going to be signs in the sun and the moon and the stars and distress of nations and perplexity in the last days. But remember, if you're in Christ, you don't have to go, oh, woe is me. Jesus said in those days when you see these things begin to happen, don't look down, look up. Your redemption draws near. That is the full redemption of our body. This mortal putting on immortality. We're going to see the Lord face to face pretty soon. This is actually very exciting. And this is the church's finest 
hour. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. We have the answers. We know how to pray. We can help people. We got the love of God in us. It's time, guys, to spread that giving, to spread that love. Share the gospel. Don't be ashamed of the blood of Jesus. Help as many people as you can because there's a lot of people right now looking for answers. And God has given the church the answer. And it's in this book right here, the Bible. Actually, Jesus also said in the last days, just before he comes back, it's going to be like the days of Sodom and Gomorrah before it was destroyed. I don't know if a meteor hit or what there. I mean, it's something terrible happened to Sodom. But before the destruction came, God got Lot and his family out, which is a type of the rapture. The church, you know, getting out of here before all hell breaks loose called the rapture. But I thought it was interesting. It said, like it was in the days of Sodom and Gomorrah, Jesus said, they were eating, they were drinking, and it said that they were buying, and they were selling, and they were planting, and they were building, all before the destruction came. So it looked like, you know, a lot of this stuff was happening. It's happening today. You talk about eating. Oh my goodness. We know how to eat. And the drinking, oh my goodness, it's just gotten out of hand. And these are things that the Lord said would happen before he comes. It'd be like that before the end. And so I wanted to share that. Yes, I do believe the answer to that question. This is the beginning of the end. Um, I teach a lot in our church about the last of the last days. We've been in the last days for a while, but this is the last of the last days. And for the church, I'm telling you, it's going to be a wonderful time of getting people saved, getting people delivered, getting people healed, doing the will of God in the earth realm. And then we're going to hear a trumpet and we're going to be gone. Now, I wanted to talk to you, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 8. I want to talk to you about two more things before we close. One of them is, why was the hedge broken? Why did this thing called coronavirus and then all the other offshoots of that fear and shortage of food and all the other things that are trying to happen along the same lines are because of this virus? Um, there's a scripture in Ecclesiastes chapter 10 and verse 8. If you could put that up on the screen. I'm believing it's already on the live stream. Um, Ecclesiastes 10.8. The Bible says, He that digs a pit shall fall into it. And whoso breaks an hedge, a serpent shall bite him. Everybody say, break the hedge. That's a Bible phrase that talks about at times how the enemy gets access and bites and hurts people on this earth. The hedge was broken. Something happened to where an opening appeared and the enemy took advantage of it and the entire world got hit by this thing. God's a protector. It's God's nature that people are protected from stuff like this. My question is, why couldn't the Lord keep that hedge intact? And how did this virus and all this other stuff connected with this virus start hurting people on this earth? Obvious, something was broken or the serpent couldn't bite. I hear you saying amen out there. Thank you. This scripture says that if the hedge is broken, the serpent will bite. I don't know about you, but I'm the kind of guy I want to know why was the hedge broken? Because they're not done yet. Jesus hasn't come yet. There might be some other things around the corner. 
that I don't want to happen. You know, there's, the Bible talks about the course of this world, lorded over by the prince of the power of the air. This world's going on a certain course. And a lot of what's on that course is bad stuff because the God of this world, the devil, small g, the Bible says, Jesus said, the prince of this world comes and he has nothing in me. Satan is called the rulers of the darkness of this world. Adam gave him that power when he committed high treason. So there is a devil, there are demons, and he's got some plans to really hurt the church and to really hurt people on this planet. And in the course of the world is going that way. But here's the key, you ready? If the church prays, or let me put it this way, if the church doesn't pray, things will take a natural course. But when the church prays, we mess up the devil's plans. When the church prays like it's supposed to, we mess up things he's planned to destroy and to hurt and to kill. The prayers of the devil has no defense for the body of Christ rising up praying like they're supposed to be praying, turning from their wicked ways, humbling themselves before the Lord. The devil has zero defense for a church that's serious about God. That's right. That's right. So my question again is, why was the hedge broken? Look at Ezekiel 22 and verse 30. Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 30. Here's one of the things, not the only thing, but this is one of the things that says, tells us what we can do to make sure that the hedge is, that the hole is fixed and that it's not broken anymore. I don't know if you know this people, but all the responsibility is not on preachers only to do all the praying and to live above, you know, sin and to, and to stay out of certain things that are displeasing to the Lord. Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse 14 says this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. I'll hear from heaven, God said. I'll forgive their sin and I will heal their land. This is a scripture that has come forth in this hour that the church needs to make sure we don't just know it. We are doing this. We are humbling ourselves and saying, God, you're right. My plans are nothing anymore. I want your plans. I want what you want for my life. I want to go to the church you want me to go to. I want to do what you want me to do. I want to be a part like you want me to be a part. I want to pray like you want me to pray. And I want to live like you've empowered me to live. The Bible says, if my people, some things aren't going to be fixed just because a few Christians get their act together. This scripture says the bulk of God's people need to do something if they want to close the gap, keep the hedge where it's supposed to be, get the work done that God wants us to do, and then go home and be with the Lord, hopefully in the rapture very soon. I'm saying hopefully because we, we say even so, come Lord Jesus, like John did. So Ezekiel 22 and verse 30, God said, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge. Now what happens when the hedge is broken? A serpent has access. Demon forces have access. And it's not God's will, it's just man has not closed the gap like they were supposed to and the church has this power. So he said, I look for a man to make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. How many want, to, how many want God to find you ready to do what this scripture is saying? Make up the hedge. Close the hole. Now I'm going to say something now. It might rock you and shake you, but I'm going to prove it before we're closed. Listen very closely. 
I believe that if the church does Second Chronicles 7, 14 with all their heart, especially the part turned from their wicked ways, this virus will be snuffed out in no time and it will have no chance to ever come back if the church does these few simple things we're going to talk about in just a minute. I mean, the church has the power. We are to occupy till the Lord comes. We have authority over all the powers of the enemy. We have power. We've got the name of Jesus, but something opened the door and we have the power to shut it, kick out what came in and get back on course with God. But it's going to take prayer plus a couple other things if we want to see this gap close and this stuff not happen again. Do you know... That if the, when the church does what it's called to do, even the people around us get blessed because we're doing what we're called to do. I know there's a lot of people right now are making fun of Christians. They're mocking Christianity. They're mocking the Holy Spirit. They're mocking certain churches. But those same people are being protected because that church is close to them. Yeah. It's very interesting. It's very interesting for people to mock God and he's given them the air to breathe. Just doesn't make sense. People to make fun of Jesus on certain TV shows. And at the same time, without Jesus, their heart would stop. They'd go crazy and they'd have no air to breathe. People need to become more aware of God in this time. We need to realize it's a wake up time right now, especially for the church. So we, we know that there's certain things that can break this hedge of protection. And right now, God needs the church praying. And I'm going to say this. Uh, it's a little bit tough and, and I, I don't mean it to hurt anybody. It's, it's supposed to be hope and encouragement. But I knew a year ago, I knew a year ago that God needed more of his people in the Wednesday night church prayer meeting. I knew in my heart, you can't make people do anything. That's not good leadership. You don't force, you don't manipulate, you don't threaten. But I knew in my heart, we made a couple of announcements. We said, you know what? We don't know what's coming up in the future, but God needs his people rearranging their lifestyle a little bit and making uh, church prayer, weekly church prayer, a part of their lifestyle until Jesus comes. Oh, we had a few more people on the next Wednesday, maybe a few, a few more the next Wednesday. But then it went back just a little handful of people. But guys, God tried to get our attention a year ago that some things were coming upon this earth. And if the church would humble themselves and pray, seek his face, turn from our wicked ways, he'd hear from heaven, he'd forgive our sin, and healing would start to rise in our land. And ain't no way coronavirus or any virus could overcome the healing power of God. And God dealt with us about a year ago. Get the people, bring the information. And I kind of knew in my heart it wasn't going to work and I knew some things were going to come. And here we are. But friend, we can shut the door on this thing. We can stop future things from happening. Let's evaluate our lives. There's some things as the church we know God's been dealing with us about and we've been putting it off. One of the greatest things we need to respond to right now is prayer and be very open, very open and very available to being a part of your church weekly prayer meeting in this hour because that's one of the first thing God says we need to do as a group, not just a pastor here and a pastor there, if we want to see healing in our land. All right, so God was looking for people a year ago to adjust and pray. Um, turn to Second Chronicles 7.14. Let's look at this scripture on the screen. I actually uh, went to get my hair cut about four or five days ago. And Keely, if you're watching, hi. We're, we're, I, I, Carla said you guys might be tuning in. I just want to say hi to you, Keely. You do a great job. I look like a celebrity here today. So thank you. Uh, but we were talking and um, we, we were realizing that the end of all things is at hand. And Keely actually showed me this scripture 
And she read it to me, and I thought, wow, that's what the Lord's been telling us. Keith Moore, other people we've been talking to, this scripture right here has come to the forefront because it's an answer for problems when they start to occur in the land and God gives people the way out, how to shut the door on this stuff and get back to a higher place in Him. Right. President Ronald Reagan actually quoted this scripture when he was a president. Such a powerful scripture. Let's read it again. God said, if my people, in other words, healing rising in our land is more up to do with us than the politicians. Now, if the politicians are God's people, this applies to them. But he didn't say if the government gets their act together. He didn't say if the military gets their act together. He, he said, if my people do something, you're the most powerful group of people on this planet. If my, God said, if my people who are called by my name, do you believe in the name of Jesus? Then you're called by his name. If they will humble themselves and pray, time to get out of pride. We don't care if people love us or hate us. We're going to worship Jesus. We're going to tell people that we love him. We're not going to be embarrassed of his shed blood. We're going to talk about his name. We're going to talk about being filled with the spirit. Not pushing things on people, but we're not ashamed. And this scripture says, humble yourselves. You're going to have to pop the bubble and get all the hot air out of you. Come low before the Lord. Read the scriptures. If you're not going to a church, go to a Bible-believing church regularly. So, so important because the church is the pillar and ground of truth. So much deception out there. Got to be a part of a local church. This is one of the things I know the Lord's dealt with many of you about. It's time. Make the decision. We want to see you in church. We want to hug you. We want to believe with you. You don't have to go through life storms alone. Let's get built up in these last days. Let's get out of deception. Let's see things clearly. Go to church, humble yourself and say, you know what? I need what Jesus says I need. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to be around other believers. And then he said, humble yourselves and pray. Oh, friend, prayer, there's no missile or attack or fiery dart of the devil that can get through a praying church. It's powerful. God said right here, humble yourselves and pray. Seek my face. In other words, when you're praying, don't just talk to God. Hear from him. See what he has to say to you. Seek his face. The mouth is on the face, right? See what he's saying to you. Prayer is not a monologue. It's a dialogue. People are, are so busy today. I think one of the reasons things were shut down is because people have over busied themselves and something broke. It, it, it zapped, it fried. Oh, let's take, let's, let's take Pre, uh, Vice President Mike Pence's advice, church. He said recently, people, now that you're at home and, and you're, you're not able to go to many places, spend more time on your knees than on the internet. Unless you're watching a church live stream broadcast, watch out about hours and hours surfing on the Internet, seeing what everybody has to say on Facebook. God wants to hang out with you. He wants to give you strength and encouragement and words that will soothe you and help you and your family and be a blessing to your neighbors and your church. Let's take Mike Pence. Let's take Pres Vice President Mike Pence's advice. Spend more time praying than surfing the Internet. So keep reading. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now, 
I'm going to quote you a scripture. I want that one to stay up there for a little bit. In Matthew 24, verse 12, Jesus is talking about the last days, the end times before he comes back. He said, because iniquity and perverseness shall abound in the last days, the love of many is going to wax cold. Jesus said in the last days, sin is going to be so accepted that even church people are going to start saying it's not that bad. It's, it's okay. God loves us. Uh, grace will fix everything. Friend, grace cannot take the place of repentance when repentance is needed. If you hear anybody teach that we don't need to repent, turn that off. Love them, but don't listen to them. Repentance is a life-saving gift from God, and it's how you don't perish. Repentance simply means being honest, being truthful. God, I missed it. I'm not going to cover this thing. I'm not going to pretend it didn't happen. I blew it, but I receive your mercy. I receive your grace. Then get up, know you're forgiven, and go on. But guys, there's some things the Lord dealt with us two and a half, three weeks ago on a Sunday morning. And God gave me a message. Be real, be free. This is not a time to be hiding. This is not a time to be covering sin. This is not a time to be saying what God says is wrong is okay. It is time to be honest with God. And some people need to be honest with somebody else in their life. The Bible says if you want mercy, you have to be truthful. Because mercy and truth have met together. And righteousness and peace have kissed each other. And we know that God gave us this message about three weeks ago. If you're hiding some things from your spouse, if you're, if, you're, if you're doing some things you need to talk to a leader about that you know you shouldn't be doing, everybody's missed it. Nobody needs to be embarrassed about anything. I've missed it. There's some things I had to be honest about in my past. There's some things I had to come clean with. And friend, it is no fun hiding that stuff when you know you should be telling somebody. When you know you should be honest with somebody. I'm telling you, if you want mercy and if you want freedom and you want the power of God and you want grace, don't be a person that's saying wrong is right and, and, and hiding stuff from your spouse. Friend, it's time to repent. I'm telling you, if the church would pray and just repent from some things right now, this virus would go away before you even know it. They'd look for it and couldn't find a trace of it anywhere. The church has answers. The church has the power to see this thing stop. And a part of it is God's people turning from their wicked ways. There's some looseness that's crept into the church. Actually, let me, let me say this. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 12, you don't have to go there, but in Matthew chapter 12, and I'm getting just a little bit ahead of myself, but we're about ready to close. In Matthew 12, 25, Jesus said, A nation divided against itself will be brought to desolation. Do you realize there is major division going on in our country right now? I mean, Democrats are flying against Republicans. Republicans are, are doing things that they shouldn't against Democrats. There is strife in our country right now, and it's coming from leadership. No wonder some openings have developed. I'm talking about slamming. It's like a civil war going on in our country right now. We need to rise up as a church and say, God, forgive us. Forgive our leaders and stop taking sides and be a Christian. I mean, number one, we're Christians. 
right? Then somewhere down the line, Republican or Democrat or whatever, we need to stop this strife stuff and coming against authorities and speaking evil of the rulers of our people. No wonder some holes have developed in our protection. That's wrong. God said many times in the scriptures, don't speak evil of the rulers of your people. And just because somebody up here speaks wrong doesn't mean you're supposed to follow them. We're Christians. There's some people in positions of authority right now in Washington, D.C. that are anointed of God. And God said, don't touch my anointed. Don't do my prophets any harm. We got to get this thing under control because if we want to love life and see good days, we got to refrain our tongue from evil and our lips from speaking guile. You're going to have to refrain yourself from saying what everybody else is saying, posting what everybody else is posting. We need to spread love. We need to spread the gospel. We need to spread the truth. And let me just say this before we go any farther. The number one thing, most important thing on this planet right now is not coronavirus or no coronavirus. Here's a newsflash. We are all going to die. <laughs> Either of old age, right? Or something else that tries to push us out. What, people are going to die. That's not the issue. The issue is, are you ready to die? The issue is, are you born again? Because if you're born again, to depart this life and be with Christ is far better, the Bible says. Not better, far better. Listen closely. This earth for the Christian is as bad as it gets. This time on this planet for the believer is as bad as it gets. But this earth for the non-believer is as good as it will ever get. And God wants you born again. Jesus wants you saved. Because when you're saved, you're not afraid to die. Why would we be afraid to go be with the Father? Why would we be afraid when the Bible says to depart and be with Christ is far better? Fear of death is a snare and it's brought a lot of people into bondage. You know, fear of coronavirus is simply an offshoot of fear of death. Did you know that? Do you know people aren't afraid of flying? They're afraid of crashing, right? This fear thing is terrible. And when you realize this life is as bad as it gets for the believer and all, all that's in our future is wonderful, good, bright things, you're just not afraid anymore. Jesus tasted death for every person. And if you're a believer, when you die, you're not even going to go through the jaws of death. You're not even going to taste death. You're going to be, you're with God now and you'll be with God at your last breath and you'll be with God after your last breath. Because if you're with God, you're with God forever. Jesus took the sting of death out for the believer. And you can be a believer. Just believe in Jesus. Believe he's the son of God. Believe he died for your sins and believe he rose from the dead. And the Bible says, if you believe those things, you are saved. And then get in a church so you don't backslide. Get around other believers under a pastoral prayer covering because there's forces in this world that are going to try to pull you back into that mess. And you don't have to be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. You can live free. But so many people try to do it on their own. Lone Ranger Christianity doesn't work. Sheep are supposed to be in a sheep fold under a pastoral anointing. Someone watching over the flock by night. And I needed to say that because we're running out of time here. So Matthew said in 20, Jesus said in Matthew 24, 12, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold because sin will become so acceptable 
many will start saying it's not that bad. Now here's the thing. As soon as the church repents, this thing will be shut up forever. What do you mean? Look to your conscience. God knows what you know. God knows what I know. And we need to be walking in the light that we have. I, um, I, I think a, a big deal is, is what has been going on in our government. There needs to be more respect for who is leader right now and who are in leadership positions right now. We need to not just be praying for our favorite people. We need to be praying for all legislative, executive, and judicial branches of our government. And we need to cry out to God. You know, the Bible says there's a sin not unto death. And we can ask and God will give life for those that have sinned not unto death. Then he says there is a sin unto death. And I do not say you pray for that. But he said there's sins that are not unto death. And if we would pray, God would give life through our prayers for those who maybe have been doing some things they shouldn't have been doing that have been causing some problems. We can pray and say, God, forgive our country. But number two, I believe where the hedge has been broken is the church hasn't quite been where she should be in some of these areas like prayer, in some of these areas like getting too close to the world. And friend, I'm not, I'm not up here talking like I'm holy and never missed it. I have gotten too close to the world at times. I have fallen in some things. But one of the things that I knew the Lord required is that I be accountable, that I rise up, that we repent and don't call wrong right just because everybody else around us is. There's some things going on in Christians' lives right now. You know, you know it's not conducive with the healing of our land. You know it's not conducive to why you were born again. This is not a playground. This is a, the night comes when no man can work. We have got a major job to do as the church. I know there's some people that have left powerful churches God called them to, to go to other churches that just, you know, preach user-friendly or this or that. You, you need to get back in the church you were called, originally called to. You need to make sure where you're supposed to be, not just where it's flashier, not just where it's more fun, not just where they're drinking. You need to be in the church that God's called you to be in. Because these are the end times. The end of all things is at hand. No more game playing. It's not just about how much fun we can have till we go to heaven. It's work time, church. It's work time. It's don't break rank time. It is time to start realizing we're not only a family of God, we are the army of God. And this world needs us on fire. Couple more clicks. We're out of here, everybody. Few more clicks. This whole thing that we know as earth life is over. It's time to evaluate our lives. If you're in strife with other brothers and sisters, repent. Say you're sorry. Open up. Be vulnerable. Be accountable. Are you listening? Church, what was an abomination to God is still an abomination to God. He loves us. He wants to be able to protect us. He doesn't want us punching any more holes in the hedge. He wants us on fire for Him. So finally, let me just say this, church. Let me say this. Repentance fixes everything. We can't just do the prayer part of 2 Chronicles 7.14. We also got to make sure that we're getting out of our lives anything 
that we know has been something that God's not pleased with. Because iniquity shall abound, the love of many is going to wax cold. Because everybody's doing it, some people are getting sucked in and they're following the majority. Uh, majority is not who you want to be following. You want to be following the Lord who saved your life. Scriptures, right? I'm, please, I'm not being hard. Please, I'm just trying to say, I know what will fix this. Second Chronicles 7, 14. I, I, I've done this. I heard a preacher on TV the other day do this, and I've done it too. He, he was kind of in a hurry, and he said, if my people are called by name and they humble themselves and pray, God will heal our land. And I thought, no, you didn't finish the verse. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. Do God's people ever fall into wicked ways? Uh, obviously they do. And, the, and, and, and it's not the end of the world. It's just they need to repent, need to start praying. Get, aren't you glad God didn't say, hey, you involved in all your wicked ways? You need to turn or you're going to burn like a fern. No, he said, listen, if you're involved in wicked ways, there's a way out. Just throw those wicked ways aside. Pray like you need to be praying. Seek my face. Get back in an on-fire love relationship with me and keep yourself unspotted from the world. Yeah. Isn't that what the Bible says? True religion and undefiled is this, that we visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and that we keep ourselves unspotted from the world. So in closing... Say repentance fixes everything. Go to one more scripture and we'll take communion. Go to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. And, and we're, we're pretty much done here with this part of the message. But listen to these last few words and we'll receive communion. And we'll corporately apply the blood of Jesus to our houses. So in 2 Corinthians, uh, excuse me, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, it says, The Lord is not slow concerning His promise, as some men count slow. But God is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Repentance simply means drop those things you know you shouldn't be messing with. Let go of those things that you know you shouldn't be hanging with. Yeah, but Pastor, all, all the other church people do it. It doesn't matter. All other church people are not necessarily who you should be focusing on and following right now. Follow the scriptures, follow the conscience, follow the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. He said, if you don't want to perish, it's going to take more than just praying prayers. You might have to change some things. You might have to adjust some things. You might have to repent of some things. So let's, if you would just stand up right now at home and right here, let's pray this prayer and we'll receive communion. Say this with me, Lord Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for a way out. Thank you there's always hope. Your word has been sent to heal me and my family and to deliver me from my destructions. Heavenly Father, I listen to you. You know my life. You know my responsibilities. Show me where the priority of prayer should be in my life. Show me what church you want me to be a part of. Show me any wicked thing in my life, any sins or weights that have been tripping me up, quenching my faith. Show me, because I know you're merciful. 
and I'll confess them to you. And if I need to talk to somebody else, I'll do it. Lord, forgive me. Forgive the church. We pray for the church. Help us, Father, to adjust, to repent, to get right, to be strong, non-afraid, full of peace, doing your will. And Lord, help our government, leaders of our nation, help them to stop being in division. Help them to stop hating. We pray you'd forgive them. Give them life. Give our country life. We believe you're doing it. We'll listen to you now, Lord, and we'll follow your plan. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab.